Maybe I destroyed the game. Or maybe you're just making excuses. Everybody. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Ish Kandish podcast. Today, I'm joined by not only my friend, but fellow podcast producer, Jared Rosenthal. Jared, what's going on, dude? Thank you, Ish. Thank you for having me on the show today. I appreciate that. I mean, yesterday we had some technical difficulties. We did. Whatever the past, it was a rehearsal. Ready to go. Exactly. And dude, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I don't, I don't like to fanboy, but like, hey, like you've inspired me to like kind of like create this thing, dude. Like, I, I love your show. I love what you've been able to do. So uh, yeah, I've been I've I've drawn inspiration from you, man. I appreciate that. You know, and it all started just in high school because I was interested in Stephen A. Smith's first take. So I figured, hey, we could do this at GBN. I started it, and then you know the rest is history. So I'm happy that it's kind of caught on in other places around the country. Exactly, dude. I think well for me it was a little bit different because at a young age my hoop dreams were dead, and I knew I had no chance of going professional anywhere. So I was like, you know what? The next best thing is to use my big mouth and just. Boom. Just talk about sports all day. There you, go. you know, dude, I wish you would have stayed at GBN, though, for, like, one more year at least. I know, man. For that trip to L.A., and, like, I know you and I met up, but that's that's when we saw the studios, and I was like, I yeah. can definitely create this back in Northbrook. Mm-hmm. And, dude, like, I mean, that's one of the greatest what-ifs. I mean, you got Derrick Rose, Penny Hardaway. What if Ish had stayed in Northbrook? It's, like, right there, right there. But... <laughs> Oh, man. But, you know, dude, after just 72 days, the NBA is back. I mean, this is insane. This is unprecedented. Love it. I'm so happy, man. Oh, yeah. I was sad without the NBA. Oh, so was I. So was I. Even though it was like, like the, it was like the shortest offseason ever, I was still very upset. was. But still, like, I would love, like, Halloween basketball. So fun. Like, going like that, like that opening night, I would love that. I lived for that. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. I would just, I remember I would just rush home after school Turn on the TV, watch NBA and TNT the whole day, and then bam, opening night. Oh, my God. We're back. I'm happy. At least we had Christmas Day games, and uh, going forward, we're going to have the rest of the season. Yeah. You know what? I was going to make a James Harden joke, but he had such a great game last night. He had 47-17. and 17. Yeah. Obviously, I know he's partying it up at strip clubs with DaBaby and the other rappers, but hey, he did show up last night, so I can't really throw. I can't really take a shot at him. I can't take a shot at the beard. I wish I could, but I can't. He's cooking. That's all we can say. Yeah, but you know, obviously, like, this year it's been tough for everybody, especially, like, around the world. People have lost their businesses, their family members, and, um, you know, I, I think we're just we're just so lucky to be in this position. We're have just like, yeah, we just have our health, and exactly, like, I'm just so grateful, you know, for every single day that I live. I know you're like that, too, so. We, we both already had this virus. We, we kicked in the <laughs> I know, man. We did. We did. But also, I would like to give a shout-out to Adam Silver. I mean, he's done an, an exceptional job this year, you know, with the bubble and kind of just setting the standard of what it means to be a great commissioner. So I just would love – I just am so thankful for what he's done. And, you know, the restart of the NBA season now and the way he's handled just, 
the virus protocols. I just it's it's in it's impressive. It's unprecedented what he's been able to do. Yeah, and that's tough considering all the sports that are trying to do the exact same thing. I think the NBA has probably done the best job about that, oh, especially yeah. when it comes to social issues as well. Mm-hmm. The way that they've able they've been able to take everything into account and then actually have a success out of that and inspire change. I think it's remarkable. Oh yeah, I totally agree with you. So now that we kind of did a little introduction about ourselves, I kind of want to jump into these questions. So even in a shortened offseason, a lot of moves were made in the Eastern Conference. Wizards added Russ, Hawks reloaded, Sixers made moves, Miami re-signed Bam, Milwaukee gave up their whole future, no, I'm just playing, uh, and the Nets are finally healthy, and KD is finally back and ready to wreak havoc. So what team in the Eastern Conference can challenge a Western Conference team? I mean, we know the Lakers are winning it all, so, yeah. We, yeah, we have a pretty good idea that they're going to go far. Uh, but the four teams, I, I think four teams will be able to take down the Lakers. Not for sure, but definitely have a shot. My number is, but I would like to say that Brooklyn, it's just it's just talent. Like, when I when I see that roster and I see the way they play, the one word that comes to my head is talent. Because you have a top three scorer in Kevin Durant. You have a champion in Kyrie Irving, who is one of the most elusive point guards to ever play the game. Then you have Karis LeVert and Landry Shaman off the bench. These guys are good. And also... Steve Nash, this coach is a really, really good coach. Player coach, it works over there. Yeah. It's only been a few games, but I still I see success on the horizon. And this is also, in addition to them, almost being like, they, like they were a seven, six, seven, eight the last few years. And, and this was with no weapons, no established weapons. Now look what they have. So the possibilities are endless. Yeah. I mean, kind of to piggyback on what you're saying, there are a lot of, there, there are a lot of really talented teams in the East and the West, but I got to go with Brooklyn. You know, obviously last year they were banged up. Durant missed the whole season. Kyrie only played 20 games. But as a result, this allowed guys like Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie to shine. I mean, Dinwiddie was playing at an all-star level at the all-star break by averaging 18.5 points per game and like five assists per game as well. And also, they played really great team basketball in the bubble and fought hard against the Raptors in the first round. And this offseason, they clean house, they signed Steve Nash, one of the greatest point guards of all time as their head coach, and Mike D'Antoni as their assistant. I'm not going to lie, Jared. At first, I was definitely skeptical of the Nash signing, but man, does this Nets team look good. I know it's only two games in, but they are very well-rounded with Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Landry Shamit, Jeff Green, and Torian Prince all coming off the bench. Even though their perimeter defense will be weak, they're an offensive juggernaut with Kyrie, who's one of the most skilled guards ever running the show, and KD, who's a legitimate seven-footer with a guard-like handle who could pull up from 30 with ease, and he's an assassin for the mid-post area as nobody can block his shot. I know there's going to be a lot of media attention surrounding this team because of the off-court drama surrounding Durant and Kyrie, but if this team stays healthy and focused, they're the most talented team in the East, and they could easily advance to the NBA Finals. And I think the main thing with this team is that they can shoot the ball like no other. Oh, and, yeah. you know, when you look at a guy like Joe Harris, this is a guy who's shooting over 40% from three in his career. So when you have that and you have playmakers all over the floor, it's just inevitable that this team will have success. I do. Th- I agree with you in that. I do think Milwaukee is going to have the best record in the East because they obviously have a well-established system. Boonholzer's been there for two to three seasons. I know that uh, they're going to play hard every night. And I, they're, they're, I think they're the best defensive team in the East or arguably in the league. And I think that's just going to go a long way this season. So I do think Milwaukee is going to have the best record in the East. But the Nets are the most talented team in the East, for sure. If you just look on paper. I mean, we can get into Milwaukee, though, because I think that's a team that definitely isn't too far behind Brooklyn. Because just based off of their experience together the last few years, 
uh, having Drew Holiday now on the roster, and yes, like this offseason was a little choppy. It wasn't the best. Like it, it was a, it was a little rough when we didn't get certain guys here and there. And then Divincenzo was he was in and out of the organization. No one really knew what was going on. I'm happy they kept Divincenzo. I like Connaughton. I think the bench is pretty good. It's not as good as it was, but this is just going to allow Budenholzer to prioritize the starting lineup more so than the bench. And I think that was one of the biggest problems of last year. Uh, well, so what I said was that basically I think with this prioritization of the starting lineup more so than the bench, that's going to be super beneficial for this basketball team because if we saw last year what happened, there were so many guys off the bench that got way too many minutes. And I, I do like the bench, but at the same time, you got to play your top three, four guys the majority of the minutes yes. as opposed to getting in these other guys like your sevens yes. and eights. I definitely agree with you. And I think – Milwaukee actually lost six of their top 10 scorers this offseason. I think that's going to make Budenholzer play a tighter rotation in the playoffs. Like you see D'Antoni, Frank Vogel, all the, all the, all these, all these other coaches, they only played like a nine to 10 man rotation in the playoffs. And Giannis wasn't even playing over 35 minutes per game. I just think that's a problem when you have your MVP candidate who wants to be on there when the game is on the line and you're not even playing him over 35 minutes. And you got guys like LeBron, and who's in his 17th season last season. He played 38, 39 minutes. I mean, at those moments, everything is on the line. All the chips are on the line, and you got to give it your all and make all those sacrifices. Because if you don't, you're going to live with that regret for the rest of your career. So I hope Budenholzer does, does the right thing and plays a tighter rotation this season. I think he's going to be forced to with the weaker bench that Milwaukee has. Um, but I just, I really, I think Budenholzer, he knows what he's doing. He's a former coach of the year. He... Led the Hawks like 60 wins in 2014, even though he did get swept by LeBron. The Raptors know a thing or two about that. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's going to – I think I'm excited for Milwaukee. I think they're going to do a really good job this season. They blew out the Warriors on Christmas Day, beating them by 39. They're a really strong season. Really, they're a really strong team. They got tight. They got really good team chemistry. And I just think they're going to go a long way for sure. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. The Greek freak is only getting better. This guy oh, is yeah. young. He's talented. Oh he's poised. Now he's got that five-year max deal, the biggest contract in NBA history. So I think there's only more incentive for him to be the greatest of all time come the end of his career. Oh, yeah, dude. this He's going. He's only going up. That's what's scary. I mean, he put up 30 and 15 and five in the playoffs, and he's only getting better if he can just improve the three-point shot and improve his mid-range game as well. If he can just add like a pull-up mid-range jumper, he's, he's going to be virtually unguardable. I don't know how teams are going to be able to game plan against a guy like that. I agree. And here's what I think, though. They're going to have to overcome that challenge in the Miami Heat. And that's one of the four teams that I think that can take down any team in the West. And when I talk about the Heat, I think how remarkable it is and how astonished I was to see how they recovered so well after the Heatles were dismantled. Because I've noticed that when LeBron leaves a team, he leaves them in shambles. Practically. Yes. And it's almost impossible for that team to get back to where they were when they're with LeBron James. And the way that this team recovered, I think a lot of it has to do with the front office, the way that Spolstra and Pat Riley saw the future of this organization, and the fact that they were able to get a, they had a cold-blooded guy in Gene Butler. Yes. That combination, it made for a, for a now, Myers Leonard's a big dude who's definitely going to make an impact. A bunch of guys. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, but that just shows that Pat Riley is a basketball savant. I mean, this guy... It's just, he just knows the game so well. And even when they lost Wade when he was aging, Bosch was getting older, and he had the, the season career-ending injury with the, uh, with the blood clots in his lungs. And he's still able, it, six years later, to, to bring talent back together without, without a lottery pick. Let me, let me make that clear. Without like a top 10 pick, 
This guy's able to get talent back together, form a solid team that many people were actually doubting last season. Many people were like, oh, they're only going to be like an eighth, seventh seed. They're not really going to do a lot of damage. Yet they got, they brought this team together in the bubble. Jimmy Butler is a dog. I love this guy. And with Bam Adebayo stepping up, he's one of the most versatile defenders in the league. He's he's got a really bright future, superstar potential. And he brought the and he brought them to the finals. Took on the Lakers. Took them to six games without Drogic and Adebayo for most of the series. Jimmy Butler solidified himself as a top ten player. And the Heat are getting disrespected. I will say that they're they're totally getting disrespected. Um, but you don't. Yeah. Like, like Tyler Heroes and the Duncan Robinsons the rest of your entire season if you let them pull up every single possession these guys are lethal yes i agree and duncan robinson last season he averaged 46.9 percent from three on catch and shoot threes which is better than clay thompson and steph curry that they've ever done in their career so that just shows what kind of sniper this kid is and i think miami they they kind of they like enjoy the disrespect it fuels them to be great i remember udonis haslam was talking about this in an interview recently, he said, like, it's all good. Like, we're using this as fuel because we got a bunch of dogs on this team. We're going to we're gonna make some noise and show people that the bubble wasn't a fluke. So I'm really excited for that Miami Heat team. They're making noise, man. And here, here's the last thing that I have. I think Boston actually is a legitimate threat because I, I truly believe that Tatum is the future of the NBA. I think he will be a top three player in the next four to six years. I don't know how hot of a take that is in your opinion, but I think that that's a very real possibility. Oh, for sure. And I think that with the team that he has, with the culture that's being built there with Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, I, I see a very good future out there in Boston. I love the guard play off the bench as well. You see Jeff T, you see Peyton Pritchard now from the Ducks. It's a really good situation out there. A lot of positives. I think the coach as well. I mean, yeah. Brad Stevens, this, this team looks like it could do some damage in the East. Now, the East is tough because, like I said, these four teams are going, they're going to be going at it all year, all year long. Yeah. So it's really a matter of who wants the most. And Boston definitely, they definitely look like they could, they could pull it off. Oh, for sure. Boston is very talented. The East has just been reloaded this year. It's going to be a great Eastern Conference this year. But I, I want to switch gears now and get a little sentimental. So about a month ago, all of us received the heart-wrenching news that Clay Thompson tore his Achilles. And Clay is one of the most likable guys in the league. And it sucks that he won't be able to participate this season after missing all of last season. The Warriors, along with the Heat, dominated the 2010s but i gotta ask you this are the warriors a serious threat in the west not at all um i think their time is up and the league just is not the same as it was a few years ago because everyone's really caught on to the whole idea of shooting the three-point shot like they they really brought it to the forefront but at this point teams have built strategies around that defensively um offensively people have gathered new types of weapons to get together and put something different on the floor to combat that. I just I don't think it's possible. They lack the size. They lack the depth. They lack skill. And on top of it, I, a lot of those guys won't even make it out overseas. Or barely, they barely make rosters out there. Like like I don't even know if, if half of them would make the Lithuanian team out there. So, <laughs> but that's that's just uh, Steph Curry. I love the guy because mm-hmm. he really made me love basketball yes. growing up. Yes. But he's not LeBron where he could turn nobody's into somebody's Steph is Steph is Steph you're gonna get what you get with that guy and really nothing more you know what to expect LeBron he puts together a bunch of different guys together all sorts of talents yeah and has them play in a coexistent offense or oh, and defense too yeah I mean I totally agree with you that on, on your take about Golden State because firstly they don't have enough shooting even though their offense revolves around the greatest shooter of all time they don't have a single player on that team 
shoots average for his position. And you're not going to win the NBA like that, especially when your offense mainly involves passing and cutting and setting screens to get shooters open. Like last season, Oubre shot 35% from three, while Wiggins shot 33% from three. And this season, I know it's a small sample size, but Oubre is 0 for 13 from three, and Wiggins is 2 for 21. And also, I don't think they're going to be better than the Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Mavs, or Blazers, or even the Rockets as well. They do have some talent defensively, and Wiseman looks good so far, but all of that outside shooting cannot come from Steph. And they have no one on their, like you said, they have no one on their bench that can create their own offense. This Warriors team is talented with offensively with guys like Ubre and Wiggins. I know they've struggled early and I've seen the memes on Instagram, but it's only two games in. I think they're going to be really, really good, but they can provide you with 20 points a night. And since teams know that they don't have any threats from three, they're going to key in on Steph and make guys like Ubre, Wiggins, and Draymond become shooters. I think this team will make the playoffs due to the fact with the playing game and 10 out of the 15 teams in each conference can make the playoffs. So there's a 66% chance that they will make the playoffs. So I think they, that based on the math, they can make the playoffs, but they're going to be a first-round exit unless they make a move at the deadline. And that's that's really unpredictable at this point. I don't know how. Hey, I mean, James Harden, that would be very entertaining if he could get his foot yeah. out there and, and perform for the Warriors because if he goes out there, you know someone else would be attracted to go as well. And yeah. we know that would be a complete show. That would be, that would be amazing to watch. But, but the, the reality is... Is that, is that really going to happen? Yeah. I I don't know. We'll see. And, that, and since you brought up James Harden, that transitions to my third question. Where do you think he's going to end up? Where do you think he's going to go? I think Denver's the move for him. I think that's the smartest thing because between him, Jokic, and Murray, the Nuggets, they would be amazing. And it wouldn't be seen as, as a move that's totally wrecking for his career at this point because it, it would allow him to be James Harden. And at the same time, other players would be able to feed, they'd be able to feed off of him as well. So I would like that system for him. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. But for me, I got—I I honestly see him ending up in Golden State. With the loss of Klay Thompson, Golden State is in desperate need of a shooting guard who can create their own offense and knock down the three. Also, he's, I know he gets a lot of hate, but he's one of the best offensive players in the league, and Golden State certainly has the assets to make a James Harden trade work, which would include sending rookie number two pick James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, and the Timberwolves' top three protected first-round pick of the 2021 NBA Draft. I know Wiseman has superstar potential, but the Warriors are in win-now mode. Steph is 32, Clay's future is uncertain, and Draymond has started to regress. Even though Harden is very ball-dominant, I think he could work well alongside Steph as the second or first primary ball handler, and Golden State could go back to playing small ball by putting Draymond at the five, which is where they achieve the most success. With this move, I think Golden State becomes a serious threat in the West. I mean, and it sounds really good. It really does. But I just, I don't know if that's the right destination for him. Yeah. Just because, do you think, like, in, in the long term, in the long run, mm-hmm. does that make sense for him? Because right now, maybe it does to fill in for a clay yeah. and, and just see where that takes them. But I don't know, because if, if they don't win this year or the next year, like, we don't really know what James Harden's intentions are. We don't know what his aspirations and goals are. Yeah. So I think for him to gamble on Golden State, like whether or not they will still be elite, that's a that's a pretty big risk. And I think with Denver, a team that's been very potent during the regular season, I think he he can really elevate them in the postseason. I definitely agree with you. And also the fact that would change Golden State's mind is if Harden wants to stay there long term. Because if he doesn't want to, because he's got two years left on his contract. If he doesn't want to stay there long term, why would they give up Wiseman, who has the chance to be like his ceiling is like an Anthony Davis type player? So why would they give up all of that? just to get like a two-year rental on Harden where they might not even win a championship. So I, that's definitely a good point that you brought up. So both the organization and player, 
it'll be interesting to see if they can get that deal done. I know. Oh yeah, that would be that would be wild. James Harden in a Golden State uniform. Oh man, I don't know. I mean, they're all about beautiful basketball, and I love James Harden, but that ISO basketball just. I mean, if James Naismith saw that, he would just you'd be turning over in his grave right now. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. He'd I mean, be. Yeah, Harden's style of play would probably have to transition a little bit, but if he yeah. was willing to, to like, take back. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. So now, let's let's go to the fourth question. And I know yep. you're a big Giannis guy, but I got to ask you, who is your MVP pick this season? It's LeBron. And it's just, I kind of I kind of hinted on this before. It's that it's just so impressive the way he gets everyone to play together. He's just an orchestrator out there. And and the way that he's done this year after year, and he, he doesn't get the MVP award every year because he got to give it to other people as well. But this man, the way that he's still... That he's, he's really changed the game in terms of player mobility. Guys want to be with him still. And sometimes, you know, you would think because he's the best player in the league, it would be intimidating. But no, this guy, he's going to get you to produce your best basketball. And he still does that to this day. And you look at a guy like Montrezl Harrell. He looked good last year, but not even this year with LeBron. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a whole new, it's a whole new conversation. Yeah. And piggybacking on your LeBron point, I mean, his ability to elevate – average players to make an impact on the game is unprecedented. I mean, you look at last season, like Alex Caruso, I love the hype around the Caruso. He's the bald eagle. He's legendary. But his ability to elevate players like Alex Caruso, Markeith Morris, and Kyle Kuzma and make them have an impact in the small amount of time that they play. It's just we've never really seen that in NBA history besides like Magic Johnson, John Stockton, all these other guys. But for LeBron, who's like a he's like a hybrid of MJ and Magic, for him to do that in his 18th season or 17th and 18th season is just unpre- we've never seen that in NBA history. I'm convinced he's an alien. I still think he's the second greatest player of all time. But like you said, LeBron, I mean, that's a really good pick. I I, I definitely I there's you can't go wrong with LeBron. He could win it. <laughs> Dude, yeah. he's an alien. He's going to be in Space Jam 2. Yes. Man. Yes. Oh, yeah, he's like been training space. with the Monstars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, I love your pick, but I got to go with Luka Doncic. I mean, even though I think Giannis will be deserving of the award due to the fact that he's going to put up crazy numbers while having the best record in the East, he's just not going to win his third straight MVP. I just don't see that happening due to voter fatigue, which is one of the main reasons. Therefore, I think Luka's going to win it because he'll be able to pad his stats due to the fact that Kristaps Porzingis will miss the start of the season – also, last year, he finished fourth in MVP voting, and guys like LeBron will most likely take a backseat at the start of the season because the Lakers and the Heat had the shortest offseasons out of all the teams. And AD, who's another pick, I mean, this guy can, he can guard multiple positions, he can hit the three, he's virtually unguardable. He's too injury prone, and he, just, and he doesn't fill the stat sheet quite like Doncic, who's ranked in the top 20 in points, assists, and rebounds last season. I mean, what Luke has been able to do is ridiculous. I think he's... He's the greatest 21-year-old we've ever seen in NBA history. It's just insane what he's been able to do. Yeah, Luka Doncic, man. This is, this is where I really get the idea of these international players coming in over here to America to play in the NBA. It translates well, and we've, we've seen this with the Spurs. We saw this with the Mavs already with Witzke. Like, we've seen this. Oh. Technical no, yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that thing going from overseas to coming here. It, it just it sometimes translates. And even with Giannis, he didn't go to college. He played out in Greece. He played overseas, comes here. At first, it was a little bit of a rocky start, but look what he's coming to. He's coming to his own yeah. now, and he's an established MVP. Yeah. I think Luka's just, he's just what he's, he's just so like 
calm and poised. And at such a young age, like he just knows how to get his teammates involved. He can hit the three. He, can, he has no weaknesses offensively. Obviously, defensively, there could there is room for improvement, but he has absolutely no weaknesses offensively. And that's insane to me. He's only been in the league for two years. And he's already arguably a top five player in the league, which is absolutely like ridiculous to me. He's only two years older than us. Oh, my God, man. That makes me feel good about myself. Thank you for that. Hey, uh, we talked about this yesterday. You potentially walking on Badger basketball next year, right now. I know, man. I know. I mean, I thought my hoop no, dreams... They're, I, they're amazing. Oh, I know, man. I and they, they I thought my hoop dreams died when I was so young. But I think, I think I still got it. I mean, I was getting shots up in the back guard last night, and I'm like, wow, this kid's special. Like, maybe I got some gas left in the tank. Got yeah, I got I got my swagger back. I, I I can't quite do the my iteration of that is poor, so I'm not gonna try it. But I I think I got some game left. I mean, defensively I know what I can do. Offensively my jumper's a little bit broke, but hey, I've been DMing Lethal Shooter. We're gonna we're gonna find a time that works for us. I'm gonna be on the Instagram. I'm gonna gain some more followers, and I I know the South Bay Lakers have been checking me out. I know that they've seen my film. It, I thought it was destroyed, but it's not. It's uh, get to Venice Beach, shoot around. Exactly. You, you might see Spider-Man, a.k.a. Global Hooper. Y- you know, the possibilities are endless. And yeah. on top of that, when you get back to school, you're going to hit up the Nick, sneak into the gym. <laughs> the gym. Exactly. Well, I'm telling you, I'm coming there. And what's great about the Global Hooper, if I end up running into him, I'll be on a highlight no matter what because I'll either get crossed up or I'll make a shot on him. So it's a win-win situation for me. That's how I look at it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, all jokes aside, I got to ask you this, man. Who's your Rookie of the Year pick? Uh, I think it's very early to say, but the guy who I think has the most upside at the moment as we speak, I think Tyrese Maxey uh, out of Kentucky. This guy, okay. his, his work ethic, he's, just, he's willing to devote himself to the game. And that's why I think he's going to be really successful in this league. And we saw what he did opening night against the Wizards. Yeah. It was incredible. And it's not like his stats were just out of this world. It's just the way he held himself out there. You just saw something that in the future, there's a real possibility that he could be a top guy in this league. Wow. Tyrese Maxey. Dude, I like that pick, though. It's definitely sleeper. Not even like the analysts are talking about Maxey. I mean, he was awesome at Kentucky. I thought the Sixers got a steal with him getting him with the 21st pick. I, I like that pick, dude. I like that pick. But for me, it's got to be James Wiseman. I know LaMelo Ball is the popular pick to win this award, and LeVar has told me that many, many times. But there are too many guards in Charlotte as of right now, and I just don't think he's going to be comfortable in his role until January. However, the Warriors have lacked a true center for the past four years, and Wiseman will play big minutes for a playoff team. Moreover, he's playing with the best point guard in the league. He's going to have so many open looks around the perimeter, and he's going to be a great lob third at the rim. I honestly could see Wiseman putting up 18-8 and eight while being very efficient from the field due to the fact that he's going to get so many easy looks around the basket. Yeah, and, and Wiseman, that's a good pick. It's like, I definitely respect that. Thank you. There, there are so many good guys. Like We can name so yeah. many. Like a guy oh, like man. Danny who's from the Israeli pick on, on Washington. Like, yeah. Maybe that works out well because they're – Team. He's got a Russell Westbrook there who's a fighter. You got a Bradley Beal. Maybe that happens. You look around the league, a Peyton Pritchard potentially because you know he was good on, at, at Oregon and now he's in the league with a good Boston team. Maybe there will be some translation. I don't know, but I definitely see a lot of future in a lot of these rookies. Oh, yeah. I mean, people were saying this. I, I do agree that this was a historically weak draft class, 
But there's there's some talent in there. And like you said, like even later, like the later picks, like Peyton Pritchard, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halberton, another late pick. I think all these guys are good. But I just think Wiseman stands out because he's seven feet tall. He's arguably the best athlete in the draft. He's arguably the best defender in the draft. He can, he's a stretch. He's a stretch five. He can so that means he can hit the three. He can hit the mid range shot. He's he's got some post moves and he's a great rim protector. Like he has all the tools to be great. And he's got Draymond, Steph, and Steve Kerr. All these guys who have championship experience, like teaching him along the way, which I think is super super crucial for him to be great. He has all the tools, all the coaching, everything. He just has everything at his disposal to be great. So I just think Wiseman's my pick. And, you know, sometimes it is very good for the player to start off on a team that is not as good because you get more exposure. I mean, there's, yeah. there's not as much pressure to be at your best because you know that your team isn't expected to be the greatest one in the league. So sometimes starting off at the bottom or near the bottom is better than starting at the top. Yes. And like I said, just Wiseman, they, they've lacked a true center. And he's just going to get so many open looks at the rim. I mean, you've seen in the first two games, I know he's gotten a lot of points in garbage time, but he was the go-to guy. Everyone, People were just giving him, giving him like shots at the rim. And I just think he's going to be I just think he's gonna be good, especially when Draymond comes back too. That's going to make his life so much easier because Draymond's honestly such a great facilitator, and he's going he's gonna to get so many lobs at the rim. I mean, the Warriors... I know that they could struggle this season, but I know Wiseman's going to have a tremendous year. We'll just have to see. These rookies, man. And here's the bottom line is that you're not really going to know how good this draft class is until yeah. years down the line. Uh-huh. Because even if these guys aren't good in the next few years, in 10 years, maybe they transition, they change into a player that we didn't expect. Yeah. So you can't really evaluate, yeah. like, I don't know, a decade or so late. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's when you can play, like, the what-ifs, you know? Like, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And that, that just, oh, man, that, that, that would put my mind at ease if I was a GM and made, like, a, like a terrible pick. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, this draft class has gotten a lot of hate. There's some talent in there. I got Wiseman. I like the Tyrese Maxey pick. We'll see what happens. I think Wiseman's just going to win it. I just have that gut feeling. Okay. Respect. Yeah. respect. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think uh, if you're in the league, here's the thing. If you're in the league, you get it, obviously. Yeah. But I'm just saying, with a Tyrese Maxey, this guy, Kentucky bred out there, when he he goes to the Calipari system, although it wasn't that long, Yeah. I I think he's just ready to succeed in this league at some point. Yeah. Like like a Devin Booker type thing. Yeah. And, dude, I'm just so excited for the future of our league, and I really do hope that they get rid of this one-and-done rule. Because, I mean, you got guys like Amani Bates, Bronny James, Mikey Williams, Jalen Green – all these young guys that are just they they they've they're just ready to play they just look pro ready it's insane to me like these 18 and 19 year old kids they're like pro ready they're like ready to go and i just think you know getting rid of the one and done rule is just going to make it's just going to make the league more exciting i mean imagine brawny james and lebron james match up father and son we've seen that in baseball with ken griffey senior ken griffey junior but let's bring that action to basketball come on like, I would love to see that. Box office, as Stephen that'd A. would be, say. Be, that'd be insane. Yeah, like, think about it. With Zion Williamson, that guy, he didn't have to be in college. The guy yeah. could run straight to the NBA. Oh, yeah. We were, all, we were not patient for him. We wanted him ASAP. Yes. Did he have to go to No. It's cool he went there, especially for the students that go there. To yes. To see him play in person. Yes. 
these guys come to our school, get to see them in person. But yeah, for, for the sake of these guys' lives, it might make more sense if they go straight to the NBA. Yes, there is a chance to get injured, and that, that might halt them from making money to some extent. Yeah. But I, I do think that if they're pro-ready, it probably makes sense. And also, adding on to your point, a lot of these guys come from low-income families. I think for and also like the NBA would be giving these kids the opportunity to not only make money for themselves, but make money for their families as well. And I know it's irresponsible to give a lot of money to like an 18, 19 year old kid. Trust me, I know. But I just think that would just be I think that would just be the right move for the NBA, you know, to be able to provide this money to the all these low income families. I just think there's just so many there's so many different avenues you can look at it with the one and done rule situation. But I just think that's a that's a topic that not a lot of people have brought up. So I just think that would, I think getting rid of the one and done rule would just be great, just for not only the fans but for the families and the players as well. Families and here's the thing: the only thing around it, the way you can go around it is that if they were getting paid while they're in school, then you can make the argument for why they should stay. But because they're not getting any sort of income yes. from playing, which maybe they are under the table, who really knows? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a more, it's a stickier situation for them to want to stay because they want to get on with their lives, support their families, mm-hmm. and really make a living. Yes. I just think... And that's tough to do. It's, sometimes, you never know. Like, if they're selling their jersey at the bookstore, yeah. they, they can't profit off that, and they can barely get a meal, Yeah. concerned. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I mean... There's just so many, I mean, for example, last year, the NCAA generated $18.9 billion in revenue from these athletes. I understand that they're getting the scholarships and they're getting a chance at education, but if you really break it down, these star players are worth way more than their scholarship. I remember when Zion was at Duke, he was worth like $2.5 million. And when he had that injury, that people were like, that, that ankle injury where he, you know, flew, like his foot just flew out of his shoe. And that, that situation was scary, and that made people really think, like, right. wait, like, if this was a career-ending injury from him, this kid is missing out on hundreds of millions of dollars because of that one injury that just hindered him from making it to the pro level. It's just crazy to think about. Like, one little thing could change everything. It's just, it's crazy. By sports science and health in the sports world is, is very crucial and important because if they can improve upon, like, the sneakers and the science, like, the certain... Uh, diets that they have to have as they go throughout their college and professional careers, then you reduce the risks of them being hurt at some point or, you know, kind of disadvantaged if they end up in a situation. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, that's why it's interesting. You see, like, with new shoes, like the Nike Adapts, um, that they are designed to where if you're not in the game there's a loosening of it and then when you're in the game it just like there's certain i don't know there's certain technologies i believe on the bottom of the shoe that enable these guys to be more yeah exactly i think you just brought up a lot of good points and uh, I know we went a little off topic with the one and done rule, but I'm really glad we brought it up and had the opportunity to discuss it. But now let's finish this off with a little rapid fire. Bang, bang. Uh, let's do a little rapid fire. I got to ask you, who's your defensive player of the year this year? Anthony Davis. Yep. Definitely. That's a lock. That's a lock. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. He definitely deserved it last year by averaging 
uh, 1.5 steals per game and 2.1 blocks per game. No hate on Greek Freak, but Anthony Davis deserved it last year. I think the voters knew that they made a mistake, and they're going to give it to him this year. Uh, coach of the year. Steve Nash, the player coach who is ready to change the entire face of Brooklyn. They will, they will be the team that everyone in New York bandwagons on. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. I think for me, this is definitely an interesting pick, but I got to go with Ty Lue. The Clippers look really, really good right now. I know that they're down a lot to the Mavs today, but I just think Ty Lue, he's just, it's so great having a player coach there because they just, they just get the players and they just, they're, they're able to mesh those guys so quickly. And I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, in 2016, obviously LeBron uh, mounted that amazing comeback for Cleveland, but Ty Lue was the head coach. He had to rally his troops. And I think he did a great job of that. And this season, he's going to get Paul George more involved in the offense. Obviously, he was injured last season, and Doc Rivers was just kind of treating him like a Ray Allen, J.J. Redick type of guy. But we know PG is more than that. And I just think he's done a great job meshing all these new guys together, getting Ibaka involved in the system. And I think the Clippers, honestly, they have the chance at becoming the number one seed if they don't rest their guys throughout the season. And if Kawhi plays at the top level, that he, that he the top-level athlete that he is, I think if the Clippers get the number one seed in the West, Ty Lue could win Coach of the Year. We're seeing what happened in the Mavs game today. That was yeah. atrocious. Oh, man. Disregard that. Yeah. Disregard. Yeah, it's one game. It's one game, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the Nets... Oh, Steve Nash was a good pick, too. That was a good pick, too. And I think he's going to be... I think he's going to do a great job of handling all those personalities. I know Kyrie is an interesting personality and stuff. Like, burning sage before the games. Um, I mean, all jokes aside, like, I honestly respect how he's being very spiritual at the beginning of the games, and he's just he's just doing his thing. He's not doing anything to disrupt anyone else. He's just doing his own thing. And honestly, maybe I got to take a page out of his book. I got to start burning sage before I play 2K or Madden. Because Madden, I, I suck at Madden right now. I got to start burning some sage, get the negative energy out of there so I can just lock in, focus in on getting that W. I think I just got to start burning sage. It's all about inner peace, Jared. It's all about inner peace. Here's another thing. I mean, let's, let's not forget this, is that it was a great Thursday night in Celery Hall, you were in my dorm room, <laughs> all the boys together. Right before about to go out, I'm playing you and Madden. I win on a last-second field goal. Amazing. Was it the last-second field goal or was I held here to win? It was something last second. I know that. Yeah. Great game, though. Shout-out to PL. Yeah, you definitely should be burning safe. Why you got to bring this up on me, man? I'm having a nice Sunday afternoon with my family. Seriously. You're not going to let this go. You're not going to let this go. In a way, I'm going to take this personally. I'm going to take it personally. I'm going to play Madden every single day just so I can just hone my skills to take you down. That's what I got to do. Dude, I'll beat you in the quarter game. That's <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. See, you're adding fuel to the fire, Jared. I, I got to thank you, man. I got to thank you. When I create my diss track, I'll give you a shout-out. I'll give you a shout-out. Like, shout-out Jared Rosenthal. Oh, man. And now I got to go with my last, my last um, rapid-fire. Who's your pick for most approved player? Most approved player. This is a tough one. I'm going to go with Chris Middleton. Okay. I gonna, yes. I think a lot of people are sleeping on him, and they're like, oh, he's all this, he's not this, he's not that. Listen, with Drew Holiday there now, with Giannis just getting better, he's going to look better in the organization, and I think his game is just going to get developed to a different level that we haven't seen in the last few years. So I have faith in Chris Middleton being that most improved player. 
That's an interesting pick. And I know Chris Middleton has gotten a lot of hate last year, especially for his play in the bubble. But he's looked really good this season. He's added muscle. He's added. He's 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 gotten. A, he's become a better passer now, better rebounder, better defender. He's becoming a more, um, all like well-rounded player. He's becoming a more all-around player. I mean, obviously, like he's been a two-way guy who's just known for making shots and playing defense. But he's adding this playmaking ability to his game, and that's going to be huge and take the load off Giannis throughout the season, so that they'll that, so that he'll be ready to. Uh, go in the playoffs. So I think Chris Middleton could make a jump this season for sure. That's a great pick. But for me, I got to go with Michael Porter Jr. I mean, we saw what this kid was able to do in the bubble when Mike Malone let him loose. He averaged 27-3, and and he made an all-NBA bubble team. I mean, this kid has potential to be special. He's 6'10". He could shoot the three. He can hit the mid-range shot. He could drive to the rim. His only weakness in his game right now is his defense. And I know for a fact that he's been working on that. And if he can become a somewhat better defender, he's going to be a two-way monster for that Nuggets team. And I can easily see him averaging 20-8. and eight. I mean, he's just that special of a talent. And that's a special team, too, that you look at. And, yeah. hey, if, we, if I predict that James Harden goes there, which I did, and if it does happen, mm-hmm. most improved player, James Harden, yeah. Joker, yeah. who knows? Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be a special team for sure. Like, yeah, I just think MPG just has, he has so much upside. He has so much upside, and he just got to put his mind to it on the defensive end. Defense is really all about effort. And through these last two seasons, he really hasn't put that effort on the defensive end due to the fact that I feel like he feels disrespected by not really getting a lot of minutes in the game. But I know for a fact this season, he's going to get a lot of playing time from Coach Malone. And I know for a fact, when you, when you get it going on the offensive end, that just makes you want to play harder on the defensive end. So I think MPG is just going to... He's just going to blossom the season with the Nuggets. Got it. Okay. Respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we made a lot of good picks today. Dude, we just, we just, we made, we made a lot of solid picks today. A lot of realistic picks today. And it was just so fun talking about the NBA with you, man. I just, I, I love doing this. I love it. I love, thank you for having me, dude. I, yeah. I, just, I love podcasting and I haven't done it in a while. So to have, you had to, to be invited onto this podcast, it's, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Wow, man. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to go out? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, uh, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on to the show. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, it was, it's always fun talking basketball with you. Um, guys, also, have a great rest of your 2020. I know it's been a rough year for everybody, but next year is going to be a great year for everybody. I just know that. We're all going to bounce back from this pandemic. But hey, man, thank you for coming hey, this on. Side, Johnny, big yeah, happy New Year. You know what I'm about? Thank you guys for watching. Whoa, whoa, like whoa, and subscribe. Whoa, whoa, Peace. Whoa, whoa.